There is a battle that rages beyond the veil that separates the physical world from the spiritual world. The battle is for the souls of men, your soul, my soul. The battle functions and is ordered where things are often the opposite of how they appear. The day Jesus died to pay for the sins of all those who call upon his name, it appeared to all that he was an abject failure, beaten, spat upon, mocked, publicly humiliated, nails in his hands and feet, dying a naked pauper. The expectations of the apostles, disciples, and even his family were dashed. That was what the mortal eye saw, but Lucifer saw something entirely different. Lucifer saw his utter demise, his kingdom spoiled, and the collapse of all his arguments. Revelations 12, 7 through 12 describes a war in heaven that transpired after the crucifixion and ascension of Jesus Christ at God's right hand. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. The temporal physical world saw one thing, but the eternal spiritual world saw something entirely different. What terrifies the devil and his evil angels is not swords, machine guns, or nuclear weapons. What scares the hell out of the devil is faith that worketh by love. The born-again, childlike faith that worketh by love, which appears benign to the natural eye, will not only break down the doors of Satan's soul prisons and set the fallen sons and daughters of Adam free, but God's faith walkers also can and do cast out Satan's devils from human vessels, where they then become disembodied spirits searching for a new host, tormented before their time. Things are very often the opposite of what they appear to be. Beyond the veil of battle rages for the lost souls of Adam, have you been found? Have you been born again, as Jesus declares, born a literal second time, this time of the Spirit of God? Today you can start a brand new life free of all your sin, shame, and bondages. Today is your opportunity to be born of God. Today everything changes, everything. Second Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Choose Jesus Christ today and live forever. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. This will be the greatest decision you will ever make. Now for today's subject. 
God said, Daniel, chapter 9, verse 8, O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. God said, Proverbs 23, verse 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. God said, Matthew 5, 44, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Man said, These uneducated and easily led Christians impede social development and are a blight on an enlightened people. Away with the Bible thumpers. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature article 956, that, yes, will once again certify the full and beautiful inerrancy of God's holy word. All of these powerful features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and as ammunition in the battle for the souls of men. Every Thursday evening, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. May God's face shine upon you with light and truth. This is entry 36 in the Jot and Tittle series. This feature will list God proofs 264 to 270. All reasonable and even unreasonable doubt has been vanquished. God's word, every jot and every tittle, is true and righteous altogether. God proof 264, Daniel chapter 9, verses 5 through 8. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as at this day. To the men of Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. It is not possible to disobey the word of God without suffering the curse. It can't be done. Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. God is not sitting upon a cloud with a bag of curses just waiting for someone to sin so he can lasso the sinner with a curse. How this process works is truly simplistic. Because every commandment and every precept of God are the inerrant truth, obeying them yields the blessing of doing the right thing. Because every commandment and precept are the inerrant truth, disobeying them yields the curse of doing the wrong thing. It is an immutable law, and those looking for proof need look no further. Confusion of face is the fruit of casting off the inerrant truth of God's word and making the wrong decisions. The condition is unavoidable. God has been mocked. God has been removed and banned from our public schools, blocked from governance and public discourse, and thoroughly expunged from the world's halls of higher learning. Today, our children are confused. They just don't know. 
They don't know that the world was created by God. They don't know that America is a Christian nation. They don't know that sex out of wedlock fornication is thoroughly excoriated in the Scriptures. They don't know that cohabitation is a sin. They don't know that all forms of homosexuality are an abomination to God. They don't know that men and women alone should marry. They don't know if they are boys or girls. They don't know which bathroom to use or team to try out for. They just don't know. Underscoring this confusion, the headline from the January-February 2019 issue of AFA Journal reads, New York City designates third gender option. The report reads, As of January 1, New York City natives will be able to change genders on their official birth certificates from male or female to X, a non-binary identity category. In early October 2018, Mayor Bill de Blasio signed the ordinance into law, known as the Gender Marker Bill. The ordinance makes it easier for one to change genders legally by simply submitting a personal affidavit rather than a letter from a physician or an affidavit from a health care provider, end of quotes. God's Word calls it confusion of face. God proof number 265, Isaiah 40, verse 12. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and meted out heaven with the span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance? When God's word weighs in on a particular matter, his word is always, always accurate. The following excerpts are from Dr. Henry Morris's book, The Biblical Basis for Modern Science. Estimates of the earth's internal structure can be made by using the methods of seismology and geodesy. And geophysicists are confident they have at least a reasonably good model for its major components. The Earth's radius is about 3,959 miles. The central core, which has long been assumed to be composed mostly of nickel and iron, is about 2,100 miles in radius. Outside of that is a region called the mantle, approximately 1,800 miles thick. There are two or more subdivisions in both core and mantle, and the detailed structure is far from settled. At least the portion of the lower mantle is believed to be a plastic state, in a plastic state, with the crust above it, and possibly some of the mantle is attached to it as a lithospheric plate more or less floating on it. The Earth's crust, in the traditional sense, is the solid rock above the Mohorovicic discontinuity, or not now known as Moho, with its pronounced change in density affecting earthquake waves. It averages only about 25 miles in thickness, being thicker under the continents and thinner under the oceans. The continental rocks are believed to be less dense than the crustal rocks beneath the oceans, so that the total weight per unit area above the Moho is supposed to be more or less constant. That is, a small thickness multiplied by a larger density under the ocean balances the large thickness times the smaller density in continental areas. This rough balance is known as the principle of isostasy, equal weights, and is one of the key principles of geophysics being used to explain and predict various types of earth features and movements. It seems to be anticipated in some measure in certain Bible verses, for example, who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, 
and meted out heaven with the span, and comprehended the dust in the earth as a measure, and weighed out the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance. In this single verse, there are emphasized the high precision of the water balance of the earth, the dimensions and composition of the atmosphere, the valency relationships and quantities of the chemical elements, and even the uh, isostatic adjustments in the earth's crust, the foundation of the sciences of hydrology, meteorology, chemistry, and geophysics, respectively, all which are essential for the maintenance of life. Yes, and he says he weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Science has a name for it. God proof number 266, Genesis chapter 6, 12 through 17. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, the breadth of it fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. Everywhere they look, they find Noah but refused to acknowledge the glaringly obvious. In the 1990s, the original discovery of soft tissue in supposedly 65-million-year-old dinosaurs was found by one of their own, causing evolutionists to recoil in horror. Impossible, they claim, but yet true. Since then, a myriad of additional soft tissue discoveries have been unearthed. Scientists scurried around to find evolution-friendly workarounds, and their first stop was their original understanding of fossilization. How could soft tissue, even blood cells, be found in 65-million-year-old bones? They continue to dance around the obvious, but it's time to pay the fiddler. In addition to the soft tissue dilemma, nearly all of the Earth's fossils are the result of a catastrophic flood, even a global one. Fish fossils are found on every mountain peak, and over 500 ancient, mostly non-biblical societal records recount the story of some kind of flood of judgment. The headline in the April 12, 2019 issue of The Week reads, Fossil Treasure Trove. The entire article follows. You can disregard the years of history noted, for it is built on the uniformitarian doctrine rooted in unbelief. A mind-blowing hall of fossils that includes dozens of species never seen before, has been discovered in China, offering a glimpse at the sheer diversity of life on Earth some 500 billion years ago. The new site, called Yangxing, sits on the banks of the Danshu River in southern China. It is one of only a handful of sites worldwide that offer a glimpse in the Cambrian explosion, the massive burst in animal diversity at the dawn of animal life. Paleontologists have so far unearthed 4,351 fossils representing 101 different species, 53 of them new. 
The creatures, which were likely entombed and preserved by an underwater mudslide 518 million years ago, include primitive forms of jellyfish, worms, and anthropods. The animals are so well preserved that their soft tissues, including muscles, guts, and gills, are still visible. Most fossil localities throughout all of time are going to preserve the shelly things, the hard things, Joanna Wolf, a Harvard paleontologist who wasn't involved in the study, tells National Geographic. But the fossils at Yongxing give you anatomy. These are the best of the best. Noah, of course, has the answer. God proof number 267, Proverbs 23, verse 7, then Luke 6, verse 45. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. The heart thinks and communicates with the brain. The heart is deeply involved in the emotional issues of life. Proverbs 4.23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The issues of life flow from the heart, and our analytic mind is directed to regulate what is permitted to dwell there. The heart is where things are deeply believed. The brain-heart combination is a marvel in itself. Also keep in mind, as you read the following excerpt from Dr. Lipton's book, The Biology of Belief, that all things are created out of words, thoughts. Lipton writes, The brain's function is to coordinate the dialogue of signal molecules within the community. Consequently, in a community of cells, each cell must acquiesce control to the informed decisions of its awareness authority, the brain. The brain controls the behavior of the body's cells. End of quote. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. God proof 268, Job 41, verse 18. By his niecings a light doth shine, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. God speaks of the reptilian sea monster Leviathan in chapter 41 of the book of Job, and he said, his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Job 41, verse 1, 33 and 34 state the following about Leviathan. Canst thou draw out Leviathan with an hook, or his tongue with a cord which thou lettest down? Upon earth there is not his like who is made without fear. He beholdeth all high things. He is a king over all the children of pride. Does this sound like far-fetched sensationalism? The following paragraphs are from Derek Isaac's book, Dragons or Dinosaurs. The glowing eyes may seem at first glance like mythological sensationalism. However, it actually proves to be lacking any real suspense and ends up being quite anticlimactic. For the vast majority of us, the headlamps of our automobiles have made us acutely aware that some creatures will show high degrees of reflection in their eyes. For the record, the eyes of these animals are not glow-in-the-dark eyes. They are simply reflecting what light is available. Some animals have this reflective quality because of a special layer of tissue in the eye called the tapetum lucidum, which is behind the retina. Its design is meant to reflect light back into the eye to improve, improve sight in low-light conditions. These animals have natural night-vision goggles, so to speak. 
This process creates the illusion of glowing eyes. Derek Isaac speaks of an African safari. Some eyes were green, white, yellow, a pale, a grayish violet, and I have seen and heard of a deep red reflection. Some pairs of eyes were close together, small and low to the ground, while others were larger orbs, wider apart, and many feet off the ground. Our guide was able to correctly identify animals solely by the reflection of their eyes. With time and practice, it is possible to develop the same skill because the colors can be that distinct. The fact that animals observed today can seem to have glowing eyes actually lends more credence that the observation of the dragon was an actual encounter with a real-life animal. In all reality, dinosaurs most definitely would have had highly reflective properties in their eyes just as myriads of other animals do. Like other animals, dinosaurs could have reflected a uniform color like the yellow of the lion, the green of the small canines in Africa, or the white of the zebra. Thus, the dragon with its glowing eyes, perhaps red or orange, would give an illusion of fiery glowing eyes and would look horrifically devastating. Panic would no doubt ensue. The result would be, in the case of Tyrannosaurus rex, two huge glowing orbs, possibly 15 to 20 feet off the ground, staring at you, hunting you. End of quotes. No sensationalism, just an accurate account. God proof number 269, Matthew 5, 44, and then 18, verse 35. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. In the Lord's Prayer, we find the following, Matthew six twelve through 15. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If you want to be saved and healed, you must forgive. If you want to be sick and damned, don't forgive. It's just that simple. Is sin and the particular sin of unforgiveness related to physical illness? The latest scientific research says yes. A headline from YoungLiving.com reads, Forgive if you want to stay healthy. Excerpts follow. People who tend to forgive may have lower blood pressure than those who don't, according to a study. Researchers found that a forgiving nature was directly related to blood pressure. Those who were less forgiving had higher blood pressure levels even while at rest. The study may indicate that people who hold on to stressful events for long periods may be at an increased risk for a variety of disease, including cancer and heart disease, than people who easily forgive and forget. Dr. McCullough's comment, Anyone who has done the emotional work I recommend will know that forgiving others authentically is one of the major keys to optimum health. A few years ago, I heard a truth spoken by Nelson Mandela that is appropriate to repeat here. Not forgiving someone is like swallowing poison and expecting the other person to die. The only person you are hurting is yourself. Unfortunately, many of us have serious blocks that limit our ability to forgive at the deeper subconscious authentic levels. In my experience, bioenergetics techniques are the only ones that effectively address this. 
prayer and journaling are two effective examples of bioenergetics uh, techniques, end of quote. Dr. McCullough continues, Along with not forgiving, feelings like anger and stress can also devastate your health. If you are struggling with emotions like these, it is imperative that you seek help as over time and sometimes even in the short term, these negative feelings can lead to headaches, problems with digestion, insomnia, increased anxiety, depression, high blood pressure, skin problems such as eczema, heart attack, stroke, cancer, end of quote. The subheadline in the August 2015 feature of Psychology Today reads, Forgiveness is not something we should do to be good, but a crucial skill in pursuit of a healthy, fulfilling life. The lead paragraph follows. Over the past 25 years, researchers have pulled forgiveness from the realm of preaching and prophecy into the more critical light of academic study. The change began in the 1980s when a handful of Christian psychologists wondered if clinical studies would bear out the Bible's teachings on the virtue of forgiveness. This school of thought grew to encompass a larger, more diverse group of social scientists, cardiologists, neuroscientists, and molecular biologists. If disobeying commandments of God's Word, which were given thousands of years ago, is wrong, then those disobeying it would display telltale symptoms of their disobedience, and they do. Much more than symptoms, how about outright death and destruction? A February 2002 article in Prevention Magazine was titled, How Grudges Hurt You, Learn to Forgive for Your Health's Sake. The first, first paragraph reads, Forgiveness can mend more than strained relationships. New research has demonstrated that letting go of a grudge can have dramatic and fast-acting health benefits. Researchers at Hope College in Holland, Michigan, studied 71 subjects who mentally relived hurtful memories, but this time with two alternative endings, harboring a grudge and forgiving. The researchers measured their heart rates, blood pressure, perspiration, and cataloged their emotions, again quoting from the article. Heart rates and blood pressures were two and a half times lower when participants forgave than when they had grudges. Holding a grudge also made them sweat, a sign that their nervous systems were on high alert. Forgiveness left them feeling calm and in control. Dr. C. Whitlett, assistant professor of psychology at the college, had this to say regarding the study. Participants felt significantly more negative, angry, and sad during the unforgiving condition than during the forgiving condition. And finally, the doctor said, we know that sustained anchor and hostility, anger, excuse me, and hostility are risk factors for heart disease. Forgiveness may be a powerful anecdote to hostility. If people become forgiving, there can be accumulating health benefits just as there are increased health risks when people have accumulated anger and hostility. An unforgiving spirit breeds hostility in all forms. A Dr. Redford Williams, an internist and Behavioral medicine research at Duke University had this to say about hostility. A cynical, mistrusting attitude is a driving force that makes people most susceptible to heart disease. He went on to say, hostility predicts the risk not just of heart disease, but mortality due to all causes. God's wisdom is perfect. He created us and he knows what we can and can't handle. 
Thousands of years before man's intellect begins to comprehend the benefits of various activities, God has already laid out the perfect instruction concerning it. The mighty Christ said, Love, bless, do good, and pray for your enemies. But man said, Grudge, hatred, and get even. Love your enemies. Wow, what a concept. God proof number 270. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Once the truth of God and his record were rejected, the doors swung wide open to what the Bible calls the deceivableness of unrighteousness, Second Thessalonians 2.10, which is the deceivableness of unbelief. At this point, the most bizarre notions become their guiding truth. Academia's God, evolution, claims there was a Big Bang out of basically nothing, and after around a billion years, the evolution of all life began in a mysterious primordial soup. Instead of being made in the glorious image of God, we evolved from a one-celled organism that slithered out of this primordial soup, from which evolutionists claim all plant and animal life has its root. That makes sense, doesn't it? When unbelief rules, bizarre notions take the day. The June 2019 issue of Discover magazine features an article titled, 20 Things You Didn't Know About Feet. In it, you'll find this statement about the very first foot. But the very first foot may have belonged to a mollusk. They've been around for about 540 million years, and many species have muscular undersides, also called feet, that allow them to move via contractions. End of quote. Psalms 14, verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. When you approach the facts of life through faith in God's Word, the answers come easily. Embrace God's Word and live life more abundantly, even eternally. God said, Daniel chapter 9, verse 8, O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. God said, Proverbs 23, verse 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. God said, Matthew 5, 44, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Man said, these uneducated and easily led Christians impede social development and are a blight on an enlightened people. Away with the Bible thumpers. Now you have the record.